be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus answered, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. And you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. You may have experienced a time in your life when a sudden change came over you and you experienced a certain elation and calm, a certain peace mixed with an unusual joy. may have been a reason for it. And then again, perhaps not. It may have seemed to come out of nowhere. And it may have happened more than once in your life. Sometimes being in the presence of someone we love can do that. But it doesn't continue. At some point, at some point, it seems to pass. And we don't know why. We wanted it to last forever, but it didn't. And we often might then strive to bring it back, but we can't quite do it. And then at a time when we least expect it, it may happen again. It may last for a day, perhaps even a month or longer, and then it fades. And we are left wanting it again. Perhaps you can think of such a moment in your life now. We think, oh, perhaps it was just an emotional moment. This is perhaps a flight of fancy. A chemical change. What we fail to realize is that those moments, if they are truly good, are little glimpses of the reality of God. 
It gives us as much as we can handle, as much as we can take, as a glimpse of himself. We might run all over the world trying to find the reason for it, when in fact, the reason is very simple. He wanted us to know him in a certain way, but not for very long, because he means us to move forward, to move on. Did you ever think of that? If you and I were perfectly content at any given moment, we'd want to stay there, wouldn't we? We wouldn't want to move. We wouldn't want to grow up. We'd want to remain just happy uh, young people. And God will say, no, there's something more. And if we won't move forward on our own, he will push us. So he gives us these things to bring us closer to him, hoping that we will move closer to him. And as we do, every time there's something new. And we may not notice it. We may simply think it's just, again, a happy moment, a moment of, a, of emotional ecstasy, a particularly wonderful view of nature, a piece of, a piece of music that really excites us. Did you ever notice, though, if there's a piece of music you love a great deal, you listen to it over and over and over and over again, and then you don't want to hear it for a very long time because we become accustomed to it. It was only supposed to be, once again, a glimpse of something anyway, a glimpse of an infinite beauty that we really want. We know in ourselves that we were created for something infinite something perfect, something that would not become dull, something that would not grow, something that would be so far beyond our capacity for beauty that we would be lost in it. And we want that, naturally. And we may ignore it, we may stifle it, smother it, but it's still going to happen because we were meant for God and for no one else. And everything else in our lives and every person in some way is part of that relationship is drawing us up into him. If it's good, if it's good, it is. Of course, there are some that aren't. But everything God gives us that is good is, again, to draw us to him. And so it is with our lives and throughout our lives until the very end. And sometimes, you know, that brings what we don't wish. Sometimes it brings suffering into our lives. And you know, that suffering is interesting, too. Uh, there was a great French philosopher by the name of Leon Blois who said that there is a place that does not exist in our heart until it is born into existence through suffering. In other words, if we don't suffer, we will never love. Strange, isn't it? You wonder why there is suffering in the world anyway. Well, it wasn't God's idea, it was ours. We brought it in. He simply made it redemptive. He gave it power. In fact, so much power that he redeemed us by an act of love, an act of suffering, by an act of sacrifice, to show us what real love does. And that brings us then to the end of things, and to the end of life. I always mention this because it's so important. You know, the moment we die, we go to look into the face of God. Whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we want to or not, we're going to look into the face of God. 
and we will see ourselves for the first time, perhaps, as we really are. No one else can do it for us. We will see the beauty, and we will see things that are not so beautiful. But if we have lived such a life as to have moved towards God, to have wanted to do the will of God, then God will take those things that are not so beautiful and tear them away until we finally become that perfect creature that he meant us to be. You know, God has two images of us, the image of what we are and what he meant us to be. And our job is to conform ourselves as much as possible to that image of what he created us to be. And that brings us then to the life of Kathleen Burkhardt. We don't eulogize, but something must be said about Kathleen Burkhardt. She was an extraordinary woman in many ways. To meet her, you might not have thought so. She didn't, she didn't go out of her way to impress you with his, her extraordinarium. Um, she went about her business day by day, step by step, moment by moment. But she was extraordinary. In fact, there was something about Kathleen and Bill as a couple that was out of the ordinary. Uh, they seemed to fit. I suppose we can say that about most couples. They seem to fit. But they were extraordinary in that way. You can read Kathleen's obituary, and it'll tell you a lot about her. But obituaries can only tell you so much. There was something very positive about her, and Bill, too. Uh, there was a certain vision of things as she saw them, and a certain joy that nothing was going to block. No matter what the world might do, no matter what people might say, there was something she knew to be true. In fact, that's what made her. This is something that must be said. Uh, with, that what made Kathleen Burkhart wasn't something out of nowhere. She didn't just get up one morning and decide that I'm going to be this extraordinary woman. She was, above all things, a person of faith. She believed. And she didn't believe in some vague idea of God or of some great power. She believed in the faith as it was given to her, and all of it, too, in its completion. She was one of those women who was motivated by that beyond anything else. It wasn't that the faith was just part of her life. It was the center of it. Everything else flowed from it, and Bill was the same way. And as time went on, she wanted to impart that to a great many other people, and so she did. She did, they did so much to develop the family life office of this diocese back in the 80s. Most people don't remember that anymore. Some of you, if you were alive, um, were very young. Uh, but I was working there at the time, and all of a sudden, there they were. And I thought, I wonder what they're doing here. Uh, pardon me, John. John. I know that, believe it or not. It was not Bill. It was John. 
Um, I've been saying John all day, and all of a sudden my mind went into Bill. <laughs> that sometimes happens when you get over 65. And, uh, <laughs> like, I know why I did that. I did know a Bill Burkhart, who by no means was as pleasant as your father, by the way. Uh, in any event, she wanted to impart that, and she did. I, I, there's no way to tell how many lives she changed. There's, just, there's no way to tell. Because she was so involved with so many different people, particularly in marriage preparation. So how do you know how many lives you change in marriage preparation? Because there are the couple, and then there's the families, and the families, and the families, and the families. So the world has changed because of you. And you did it simply because you believed. And you raised a family because you believed. But most of all, too, there's something else, as I meant, mentioned. Kathy was a woman of sacrifice. John's been dead about 19 years now. Um, she, she knew what it meant to suffer. This must be said too often. She was a mother and a wife. You can't do that without sacrificing. It can't be done. She was willing to sacrifice all of that, and it never seemed to daunt her. Even for the last 11 years, and even as she lost her independence, and even as she was confined to a wheelchair, she still seemed to be, to me, the old Kathleen Burkhart. Because when you saw her, she was smiling and cheerful, and always happy to see you, when you wouldn't have thought she'd be happy to see anybody. But she was. That, too, is a great gift from God. As I said, people take suffering differently. Some reject it and become bitter. Others embrace it and move towards God with it. She was one of the latter. So, we can say then that, well, we cannot canonize people at funerals. That's not our job. We have no doubt that Kathleen is in that element of her life that is going to be God, that she moved towards him and moves towards the Lord. You know, there's something else that should be mentioned. I don't always say this about people, but I will say it about her. She was a woman of the Eucharist. The Mass meant everything to her, and so did receiving the body and blood of the Lord. Uh, and that's a wonderful thing because, you know, In receiving that, we receive the resurrection. It's good we should be celebrating her funeral during the Easter season. She received the resurrection over and over and over and over again and wanted to be present for the resurrection over and over and over again. And so she was. And so now we believe that she will finally look upon the face of God, as she always longed to do, that she will have completed her journey. And that God will recognize her because he recognizes himself in her. So as we go on to celebrate the Eucharist today, when Jesus Christ becomes present to us in his resurrection, there's never a time when we are closer to those we love who are in the presence of God than we are here. It is here that we are, that we are present with them doing the same thing. She has now gone beyond sacraments, where we hope to go. But she is no, but she is no less present to this than you and I are. So, Kathleen, we commend you to God. We commend you to his love. 
we commend you to his mercy, believing that he will not fail to recognize you. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. God, the Almighty Father, raised Christ, his Son, from the dead. With confidence, we ask him to save all his people, living and dead. For Kathleen, who in baptism was given the pledge of eternal life, that she may now be admitted to the company of the saints, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our sister, who ate the body of Christ, the bread of life, that she may be raised up on the last day, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our deceased relatives and friends, and for all who have helped us, that they may have the reward of their goodness, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have fallen asleep in the hope of rising again, that they may see God face to face, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the family and friends of our sister Kathleen, that they may be consoled in their grief by our Lord, who wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. We pray to the Lord. For all of us assembled here to worship in faith, that we may be gathered together again in God's kingdom, we pray to the Lord. God, our shelter and our strength, you listen in love to the cry of your people. Hear the prayers we offer for our departed brothers and sisters, and in particular for Kathleen. Cleanse them of their sins and grant them the fullness of redemption. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your servant Kathleen, for whom we have celebrated this Paschal Sacrament, may pass over to a dwelling place of light and peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's been a pleasure to welcome Father Paul Dressler today, a good friend of the Burkhart family, uh, a Capuchin priest from Washington, D.C., and a great pleasure to have him here. Uh, following Mass um, and the burial, there will be a reception here in the parish hall for everybody. So we hope that as many people as possible will remain and be able to greet the family. You know what? These moments, there's a, always a, a reflection of Cardinal Newman's that comes back to me. Blessed John Henry Newman. I said, uh, uh, it's really one of his most beautiful, I think, um, as he reflected upon death itself. May he support us all the day long till the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in his mercy may he give us a safe lodging, a holy rest, and peace at the last. Well, Kathleen, the fever of life is over and your work here, anyway, is done. And we trust he will now give you a safe lodging, a holy rest, and peace at the last. <laughs> 